Hello, and welcome to The Goldmine, where you can find new investment insights from your favorite financial writers every day. I'm Barry Ritholtz, and this is Cold Calling Finally Dies. Merrill Lynch announced it will no longer train each class of 3,000 newbie brokers in the ancient art of cold calling. Their decision was made not because it's an annoying and intrusive device or because it's full of conflicts of interest or because it's a terrible way to make investment decisions, rather because no one answers their phone anymore from an unrecognized telephone number. P.S. A great life hack is to set your mobile phone so that unknown callers automatically go straight to voicemail. It's a game changer. Regardless, cold calling has an interesting history. Finance was mostly a clubby, chummy network in the old days where proximity to old money mattered much more than actual financial knowledge. There was, for sure, a place for the investing skillful, but account men, aka sales, was not that department. Things began to change a bit after the depression and market collapse. In the book Forbes' Greatest Business Stories of All Time, Dan Gross writes, quote, Charlie Merrill worked hard to restore the public's shattered trust in the capital markets during the depression. His firm's large army of account executives developed a populist image for which they acquired the sobriquet, the Thundering Herd, and strive to fulfill its leader's long-standing goal to bring Wall Street to Main Street, unquote. Post-war America began to come into its own. Merrill's retail training program dates to 1945. It was built to capitalize on that new growth. The company had huge success selling stocks to middle America, contributing to the post-war accumulation of wealth of that generation. But retail stock telemarketing and cold calling did not become a bull market itself until the 1980s bull market in stocks was well underway. It picked up steam after 1982, but really hit its stride in the 90s when lots of people wanted in, culminating in the dot-com bubble and crash. Markets evolved over time, and so too have sales brokers had to adapt their favorite techniques. The idea of cold calling saw great refinement at Lehman Brothers and its predecessor, Shearson Lehman Hutton. Martin Shafaroff authored a book encapsulating various phone-selling techniques. These include the straight line, the first trade, the trust close. All of these approaches were published in his book, successful telephone selling in the 80s. In fact, the book was so successful that it was updated for successful selling in the 90s and the same thing in the 2000s. In fact, when I began my Wall Street career on the sell side in the 1990s, every single retail broker of my acquaintance had a well-dog-eared copy of Shafaroff's how-to on their bookshelf. Just as every tool is a potential weapon, so too the success of the Merrills and Lehmans of the world gave rise to notorious boiler rooms like Stratton Oakmont and Duke. The film The Wolf of Wall Street, see the clip above, shows a glimpse of that seedy world, as did the movie Boiler Room. Appealing to people's own greed is a reliable tool to be used against them. 
in the pre-internet era, fraud via telephone was how it was done. For over two decades, I have been wrong in my belief that the death of cold calls and stock pitches was imminent. Near mortal wounds hurting broker sales calls range from basic caller ID to the rise of passing investing to an endless parade of scandals, accounting fraud, IPO spinning, mutual fund timing, conflicting analyst research, Ponzi schemes. Yet still through all of that, the cold call somehow survived. Perhaps the most consequential challenges include the internet, the transition to mobile, smartphones, and especially Apple's iPhone. At last, it appears that telemarketing has met its match. My biggest issue with broker cold calling was always its inherent investment flaw. The same stock the broker deeply knew and had memorized his straight-line pitch was always being offered regardless of the price. A stock that rose, did well, peaked, and then rolled over and sold off was sold by brokers at every price point along that bell curve. Seems kind of weird, but what determined the client's returns, what affected their performance, was simply the random luck of when the telemarketing prospect answered the phone. This is obviously a terrible strategy. Note my partner Josh Brown literally wrote the book on these scripts, including how investors could protect themselves. The model behind this half-century-plus of sales is all but gone today. What remains are trillions of dollars in assets under management, much of which is the result of that telemarketing strategy. I have always hated these sales pitches. When we set up RWM, it was built without sales calls of any kind. Prospective clients come to us and, and we walk them through a process that helps us understand their needs and them to understand our process. My intense dislike of the cold call has been why we have always supported the fiduciary rule. So the cold calling era is coming to an end, not because it's a poor way to establish a relationship of trust or a terrible way to make investment decisions, but because no one answers phone calls from unrecognized numbers anymore. For more from me, be sure and check out the big picture at Ritholtz.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is brought to you by Ritholtz Wealth Management. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities mentioned on this podcast. If you're new to investing, check out liftoffinvest.com to get started with us today. Stop.